As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This racing lifestyle ain't made for everybody. We're a special breed with special needs, but we all came apart. No friends on the track, but in the pits we know the truth. And this a way your life fits the only thing that we do. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Bo Kinney and the Saturday Night Hooker. Big Jet, how are you, sir? Luke, I'm well. I really am. i really excited about this week's show and really excited about this next several weeks of racing and you know just um really pumped up about it this is it's going to be historic a historic stretch of events and um not in no relation but i ate a bunch of watermelon prior to the show and it has me feeling a certain way right now and that's kind of how i feel when i get excited about racing too so a little like squishy on the inside. Yeah, just a little um, yeah, like I'm floating just a little. Mm. Okay, that seems you know, like watermelon. Seems like a good place to be. To watermelon's delicious, but it'll leave you in bad shape in a hurry. You know what I mean? You gotta be careful with it. Yeah, but other than that, it's all good. Hope same for you. Absolutely, minus the squishy. So <laughs> <laughs> it's no secret at this point. We, we've gotten in the habit of recording these intros after recording the show so we have some idea you know to to kind of tee up what we're about to talk about our um our intentions for this show as, as we'll get 
get into was to cover the SFG 500. Obviously, Mother Nature had other plans there. So, but we, even with that said, we had no shortage of things to talk about. We talked, we, we let off the show with, we will lead off the show because you haven't listened to that yet. We will lead off the show with uh, some of the ET finals from all the odd divisions, minus seven. That's one, three, five. Uh, for those of you with the second grader, odd divisions. Then uh, we follow that up with, uh, I think the hot topic of the week is the NHRA lawsuit against Coca-Cola. Admittedly, Jed, that's a little bit out of our element, but, uh, but we weighed in as best we could. And then uh, to your point, we kind of closed the show focusing on this incredible stretch of big dollar bracket racing that we will basically be embarking upon by the time that you listen to the show. Uh, three races with million dollar race in the title in a four week stretch. And uh, we have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, talk about some of the big stories coming up there. And uh, we even make five quote unquote bold predictions. I guess quote unquote five bold predictions. <laughs> I have a tendency to say like, okay, five. And for Jed, five means 22. But, uh, but it was good. It was fun. Yeah, when you're really passionate about your top five list, there's no way you can make it just five. I struggle with it. Sue me. Hey, it's it's fair enough. You you, you got you got to prepare for the sport, and I mean, I gotta let you off the hook a little bit. You're feeling squishy. <laughs> Show on. Yes, Check it out. I, I feel like I fell flat a little bit on uh, on shouts. So if you want to cut it off before the end, I forgive you. Um, get some big news on the horizon. Uh, this is episode 198. We're two away from a pretty big number that we never thought we'd get to. So that'll be pretty cool. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end as well. But first, our friend. PJ North. I think I'm Luke Gacky, Betty and Edmund. Don't let me catch you later. You'll get dropped right on your head, man. Three day marathon, chasing all the gold. Best feeling in the world. That's the truth I'm always told. Wally Parks had a vision. I'm not sure that I was in it, but we changed with the times. Jed, we had big plans for this week's show, episode 198. We were going to be focused on and talking about almost nothing but the SFG 500 hurricane Sally mm. plans. Yeah. Sally kind of wrecked that one. Uh, but you know, uh, I guess we got the good end of that by not, uh, just not getting to talk about the SFG 500. A lot of people were whew, impacted negatively by that. And that was a tough storm down the Gulf coast. So I think, um, most, all the damage was structure and, roads and those type things so that's fortunate but uh, there's, there's definitely some cleanup down there yeah definitely thinking about our uh, our friends and listeners listeners down in the gulf coast um sfg 500 gary williams and i talked about this a little bit last week and what kyle riley and the sfg staff would do going forward to my knowledge as we record this on uh, on tuesday evening there's not been a uh, a rescheduled date announced yet but the extra date that they had at South Georgia. They have announced the, the details of that event and it doesn't include a $500,000 win race. So I think it is safe to assume that the SFG 500 will be postponed to 2021. Uh, yeah, look, I watched, uh, I watched Kyle Riley um, have that discussion live on uh, Facebook and he basically said 2021 is what it's going to be. And, uh, and he was really transparent about it, which I thought was good. And I also thought that he was spot on. He said, being the first race in this series of races this fall uh, had its advantages. Being the last race has its risks. So 
he uh, he said he thinks 2021 is going to be best, which I agree with. I think that's a good call, and, and I, I agree. I like the transparency on it as well. So with no SFG 500 to, uh, to discuss, to recap, to, to highlight, we're going to go in a little bit different direction. Last weekend was Summit ET Finals heavy. We had ET Finals in Division One, Division Three, Division Five. We will start there. Uh, we'll obviously get to the, the big announcement. I guess you would call it an announcement, statement from NHRA uh, mm-hmm. and uh, lawsuit filing against the Coca-Cola company. Um, and then we'll touch a little bit on this unprecedented uh, five-week stretch of big dollar racing and have a little bit of fun with it, talk about what we're most looking forward to and uh, make some even bold predictions. But Jed, let's start with the ET Finals. You want to start us off in Division 1? Yeah, Division 1, uh, Luke, it was held at uh, New Media Dragway, which is owned by the Domino family in the hills of Pennsylvania. Beautiful place up there and uh, the Super Pro category was won by Robbie Boyd, and uh, Robbie looked like he was uh, pretty nasty. Um, definitely late in the race, was uh, making the kind of laps that wins pretty much anything, and, and definitely was uh, competitive enough in the ET Finals to get him a trip to Vegas. Uh, he was 12 dead two in the, in the final round, and um, probably not just looking at it, only missed it once, probably averaged uh, – a very very low teen or, or high double O ball with that. So great job by Robbie Boyd uh, for the Super Pro category. Pro Luke, <clears throat> excuse me, was won by Marty Flagel, which uh, Marty is a is a very well known competitor in D1. Uh, hits the bottom bulb and was uh, I would imagine was in his dad's beautiful Chevy Twice, getting it done over the guy that always makes top ten name Jeff. Krasinski from Shamokin, Pennsylvania. So uh, Marty gets the pro bid there to go to Vegas. He'll be uh, a force to be reckoned with out there. Sportsman category was won by Joe McLaughlin. And bikes was won by Brian Canolis, who also got the uh, Race of Champions win. So D1 got some heavy hitters going to be headed west to the Strip. Now, Fly and Brian put on a show on the bike. Uh, I was looking through the the box score for Brian Canoles, and it's rare, Jed. We'd, I know we don't focus much on on motorcycle competition, but when you look at the the stats on a bike, like it's rare that they throw down just the runs that we're used to seeing, say in Superpro. Um, I, I think there's a lot of variables on a motorcycle. From best I can figure, Brian Canoles was nasty. Was like 15 or better. Take a little bit every round seemingly race of champions and uh division one ec finals really impressive showing and i'll circle back a little bit on robbie boyd the super pro champ to your point he missed it once uh he was 34 one round other than that his worst lights 13 and from the quarterfinals on this is long track now quarter mile he's four total 12 total 14 total in the final that will punch your ticket to vegas yeah, pretty nasty. Yeah, especially considering that, that uh, they race on in a shutdown area there. So that's uh, that's very well done by Robbie. <laughs> uh, ET Finals also made their way to Division Three, and my wife and I were actually a participant up at Indy. First time we were talking about this off air. First time in nearly two decades that uh, participated in the ET Finals. Had a blast. We were part of uh, Team Beach Bend, who was small but mighty. I think we only had 37 entries out of the potential 44, 45, and we carried the flag all the way to the team championship. So how about that? Well done. Right. 
individual winners in Division Three, uh, Devin Eisenhower, former NHRA world champion, added yet another impressive accomplishment to his resume. Uh, young Devin, not only did he win Super Pro, um, defeated some pretty big names along the way, like the last uh, five rounds, I believe, defeated reigning champion Mikey Sturgill, uh, Ohio Bill Webb, myself, Tommy Mattingly, uh, who was in the final round of the Race of Champions a year ago, and then in the final round, a name that I know you're familiar with, Jed, uh, John Radulowski. Radulowski, by the way, off the bottom in Super Pro, advanced oh, all the way. Oh, nice. Uh, one round away from the championship, but uh, it was Devin Eisenhower taking home the prize. Devin Eisenhower punching his uh, ticket to Las Vegas for the world championship runoff. Yeah, it's a tough road to hoe there for sure. But you know, as we know, Eisenhower's very capable, whether it's a throttle stopping it or non throttle stopping it. So great job by him. No big surprise there. But uh, usually when you get a lineup like he had, Luke, in those last several rounds, so, just the odds are against you, no matter how talented you are. So he definitely earned his way to Vegas. No question. Rolled through it. A couple of quick uh, side notes, again, just because I was there and uh, and got to see some of the behind-the-scenes action. Mentioned John Radulowski, runner-up in Super Pro off the bottom. Uh, John was doubled in his beautiful Camaro, Super Pro and Pro. And as the story goes, he turned it red second or third round of Pro, uh, like just by a thousandth or two. So comes back around for Super Pro, and he's like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. You know, and I, if I just sit on it, I'm going to miss it. You can't do that in Super Pro. So he's the, like, the light bulb went off. So <clears throat> Mr. Radulowski put the delay box in for round three of Super Pro with about 7,000 in the box. And that's how we rolled the rest of the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Well done. Mentioned semifinalist Tommy Mattingly. Tommy was struggling early in the weekend. I don't, I don't think he's going to mind me outing him here because this was an awesome story. It would have been the only thing that would have made this story better is if he had won the ET finals, but he got almost as close as you can get without winning the ET finals. So Tommy was in the race of champions for the second consecutive year for Ohio Valley Dragway and was struggling. Uh, his, Tommy's got a, a blown dragster, 440s, <clears throat> and uh, it was shaking the tires. So following the race of champions, he comes by my trailer and he's like, Hey man, do you have any wheel weights? I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, these tires, I, I, ever since I put them on, I've been struggling. I said, well, do you have your old set? And he kind of like sheepishly grinned and he goes, you know, I brought them. I shouldn't tell you this. I like, tell me what well, we were going to put them back on, but then we went down there, you know, like by where people leave tires for the drag, you know, down by the dumpster. And I found another set. They look way better than the ones I was going to put back on. So we mounted them up. I went, Tommy, you're going 440s. <laughs> yeah, I know it's silly, isn't it? Okay, so he literally took a set of slicks out of the dumpster, mounted them up, balanced them, made one time trial, rode back by my trailer and said, man, you ain't going to believe this. What is it, Tommy? That's the best round. That thing's made in three months. <laughs> And then he went 447 and 447 and 447 all the way to the semifinals, the bracket finals. Pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> so when you're at a racetrack and you're struggling, go check out the dumpster. See what's in it that might help your racing program. <laughs> hey, I'm up for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've put my racing program in the dumpster quite a few times, but I've never gotten anything out of it. Pulled it back out. See? Yeah. <laughs> 
So Devin Eisenhower will be your Division Three representative in Super Pro in Pro, none other than Derek Adams. Derek, representing Team Beach Bend, uh, told me early in the weekend that he had not hit the bottom in like a year and a half, and you would not tell it by this box store, Jed. I, I posted this one in our notes as well. It was the sixth round of competition before Derek Adams was worse than 006 on the tree off the bottom. And the runs that he was laying down, like he never missed the dial in all, all day, eight rounds or all weekend by more than 14 thousandths. So you just put those together. He's 2,000 total first round, 13 total, nine total, six total, six total. That's the first five rounds off the bottom. He came, he became a little Holy bit. Cow. But really impressive, rolled through him. Derek Adams uh, shook the rust off, hit the bottom, and will now hit the bottom in Las Vegas. Look, he went dead on with a zero three times. He did. I mean, you can't do that three times in a month. <laughs> he did it three times in, what, one, two, three, four, five, six rounds. Yes. I mean, unbelievable. There was one round he actually dialed 687. The rest of them, he just went dead on 686. 686 was a good number. Yes, it was real good. And uh, he <laughs> let go like a pro. And, and you talked about uh, off air that he had a couple of time trials. Obviously, he had not done it in a couple of years, as you said. Had a couple of time trials. And they didn't go extremely well. So all they did for first round was change the button he was using and chipped it up a thousand RPMs from what his time trials were. Yeah. Something in that range. Let's just say that his time trials weren't perfect to 006, but they got it figured out when it mattered. Yeah. And then laid down a two pack in round number one. So right. button and RPMs were perfect. So wow. Eliminator Division Three Bracket Finals, another Beach Bend racer, Miss Linda Ratliff, uh, got the win in her Mustang. She's headed to Vegas and on the motorcycles. Um, Jason, I'm going to butcher this last name, Dernach, maybe. Jason uh, got the win for Team Milan. He's headed to Vegas. Notable here too. Uh, Jason's final round victory was over John Markham, who was vying for his third consecutive trip to the Summit ET Finals. John won the Division Three Bracket Finals in 2018, the Division Two Bracket Finals a year ago in 2019, and was one round away from making a third consecutive trip uh, on his motorcycle to the Summit ET runoff. I want to say Pomona, but obviously this year it's going to be in Vegas. Yeah, good lineup there for Division Three guys, and um, good luck to all those folks making the trip out to Vegas. Luke will move over to division five where we had uh somebody making a return trip to the uh, national championship from 20 years ago just super pro super pro category was won by larry piper larry was runner up to mike ruff in uh, the first national championship 20 years ago and is making the return trip back and uh, we all know todd has uh, made the trip twice himself with uh, with one national championship. So uh, the Piper family being represented once again and uh, in the, the finals, which, again, will be held in Vegas instead of Pomona this year. I think everyone's gotten that point. Yeah, well, quick note there from, uh, from Super Pro as well. Um, Larry Piper is the winner. My man Lem, Greg Lemecki, put on a show. Greg Lemecki, uh, I, I want to say – representing Rock Falls, and I'm not 100% certain of that, 
won the race of champions on uh, on Friday in his beautiful um, top sportsman style Corvette, and then advanced all the way to the semifinal in the main event as well. Nearly ran the table in a fast door car. Uh, pretty cool run for Lamp. Yeah, very cool, and uh, I'm sure a little disappointing there. But when he looks back on that one, that'll be a heck of a weekend to remember all those wind lights. The uh, pro category, Luke, was won by Jason Charlton. And uh, Jason will make the trip to Vegas and represent D5 in the pro category. Sportsman was won by our old buddy, Luke Siebert. Luke, uh, not sure what he was uh, shooing. I would assume the, the family sportsman. Or I think anything with a Siebert performance tune is uh, is apt to, to be prepared to win the race. So no... Uh, no doubt about that. Great job by Luke Siebert. Proud to see him going out and representing the sportsman, a sportsman class for D5. And bikes was won by Patrick Roetto. Uh, do not know much about uh, about Patrick, but uh, definitely. Um, we don't know much about the motorcycle class. Yeah, I was going to say definitely out of our wheelhouse, but I'm sure Patrick was performing extremely well himself. Luke, the pro race of champions. Um, gets to go to Vegas as well, and that was Brandon Schmall. Now, the Schmall family, obviously, very familiar with wind lights and very familiar with championships. So, uh, Brandon's going to be a handful out there in Vegas somewhere that he's familiar with as well. He's made plenty of plenty of trips down uh, down to Vegas, down the Strip at Vegas. Yeah, both Brandon and Big Brother have. Now, that, uh, I wanted to touch on this because I know that Division 5 got the wild card drawing for a second pro representative, so they rewarded that to the Race of Champions. I would like to highlight all of the wild card participants, but I actually tried to do some research, Jed, this morning, which is not typical. If any of you can tell me how to figure out where the wild cards come from what divisions, I would love to know because I spent half an hour on that and I have no idea. I know that Brandon did it because I saw his Facebook post basically, but yeah, the, the, the point here is really the coolest thing that we've seen all season as it pertains to the summit ET finals is a couple of weeks ago, Brandon's older brother, Andy Schmall won the division six race of champions and earned the right to re represent the Northwest division at Vegas. Two weeks later, Brandon Schmall wins the race of champions in Division 5 and earns the right to represent that division in pro at Las Vegas. So you've got the two Schmall brothers making up two spots in the field of eight, both of whom have are no stranger to this competition. Andy has been there twice. I believe it was 2007, 2008. Brandon has been once, and he won it in 2011. And now they both return in the same class in the same year. Uh, pretty cool stuff. And that is just... Uh, a quarter of the field that's headed to Las Vegas to run pro. And my God, Jed, is this an all-star race, right? Mentioned Andy Schmall, mentioned Brandon Schmall. Joining them will be none other than Jeff Heffler, who we discussed uh, a week ago. He's going to the national championship for the seventh time. I didn't stutter. Seventh time. It was his ninth Division Four championship. He won two back before they started running the national championship runoffs. In his previous six appearance, Appearances. He has won the national championship three times. That's three bracket championships to go along with the Stock Eliminator World Championship that he owns as well. Uh, by the way, he's not the only Heffler that's made a habit out of going to that race. His brother Jeremy has been three times. His father Tex went twice before passing away a few years ago. So the Hefflers uh, have dominated Division Four for a long time, but particularly 
I mean, to combine for, what is that, 14 ET Finals championships? Pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> you got Schmall, Schmall, uh, Heffler, Marty Flegel, who we mentioned earlier, Derek Adams, who is probably the, 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 the name on this list that gets the least attention, but we just saw the runs that he made at Indy. If he does that again, he's winning. And Jason Charlton now from Division 5. Now, two spots yet to be determined from Division 2, Division 7, as those, um, as those <clears throat> ET finals get run. But it is hard to imagine the pro ET class at Vegas getting more stacked than it is already. Yeah, I'm already looking forward to our conversation, Luke, about uh, who we think is going to win. You know, I'm a homer, so I, I'm, I tend to pick Division Two in every category because that's just how I roll. But uh, this is going to be tough <laughs> picking the, the winner out of this group, especially. You know, we know Division Two and Division Seven is going to send uh, some very strong candidates themselves. So, the, both the small boys have raced at Vegas enough to know right where they like to park. Uh, they know the racetrack. They know the how the air changes things. Um, I would imagine a couple of these guys have been there maybe before, but the small boys know Vegas probably better than any of the pro representatives. So that's going to be real interesting to see how that works out. I, it's going to be hard to uh, it's going to be hard to pick against them, even with some of those super talented racers on the list. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. They they've got. A lot of experience there recently. I don't know if Jeff Heffler keeps logbooks that far back, but he's also had some success at Vegas. It's just been a decade or two back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heffler's just good enough. It really doesn't matter. True. Um, okay. As I was as I was speaking, obviously I didn't look in the right spots. Producer Mark just dug this up on the fly that I couldn't find earlier. So here are the 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 divisions that will get the wild cards in uh, in Vegas this year. So Division Six Super Pro has already been decided. I don't know exactly who that is. We'll look that up and get it back to you. We talked about Brandon Schmall, who gets to represent Division Five in Pro ET. So the two Division Five representatives in Pro. Division Seven gets the nod in Sportsman. That hasn't been determined yet. Division Two gets the nod in uh, Super Pro Bike. Basically, meaning that each of those divisions will send two representatives uh, to Vegas in this season. So we'll keep up with that as it um, progresses. Big Jed, we talked about it a little bit in the opening, <clears throat> and I don't know how deep you want to get into this because it's, quite frankly, it's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, but it's definitely an interesting topic for discussion. It certainly got my attention um, when it was released yesterday. Uh, our main sanctioning body, the National Hot Rod Association, has filed a lawsuit against the Coca-Cola company, and on the periphery, you think, okay, what, what, what does that matter? Well, the Coca-Cola Company owns Powerade and Mellow Yellow, who have been the series sponsors of the NHRA Professional Series for several years and were contracted to do so through 2023. Apparently, I would assume uh, as a result of the pandemic, the Coca-Cola Company has pulled out of that contract and says uh, they're done at the end of 2020, uh, three years shy of said contract. And as a result, obviously, they cannot uh, come to an amicable solution here. NHRA has filed suit in the state of California against the Coca-Cola company. Uh, your initial take, Jed, based on the limited information that we have at this point? Uh, definitely not good, Luke. Um, I thought it was really odd that uh, NHRA's brass has taken this public. So you can only imagine 
what's going on behind the scenes with attempts to get Coca-Cola to, to uh, you know, they, honor their agreement. Not just going public with it, Jed, but the way that they went about it was, I, I guess you could justify, but it was odd. Like this was released as a statement from Glenn Cromwell, not on NHRA.com, not on social media, but on the NHRA Racer website, which is normally a site designed to simply tell us when we can enter races, what the contingency pays, event schedules. Like it is very much a, the, the communication between racer and sanctioning body. And it was almost like, we're going to let you guys in on what's going on so that it doesn't leak out otherwise. Like, I don't, it was yeah. internet that was kind of kept in house, so to speak. Like we're just going to let our participants know this before anyone else. Yeah. And, and the way that was done, it's almost like they're, setting up for more news to be delivered as a result of this breach of contract and the impact that it's going to have on the, the organization and, and their events. I, I, and that's mere speculation on my part. Nothing, nothing says that's going to happen, but just odd the way they, the way they did it. And they've just basically put out the dirty laundry for you to see um, skid marks and all, you know, this is a, this is a bad deal um, when you having to uh, make it known that you're going to or that you're filing a lawsuit against your primary major sponsor. And, you know, it says in there that they they skipped a payment and I guess NHRA kind of let them buy with that. And now they're just totally done with it altogether at the end of the year. Just really, really bad look, um, not just for NHRA, but definitely for the sponsor up. I don't know that there's enough people that, that love drag racing, care about drag racing that can impact that brand by not choosing it or their brands by not choosing them. But I am sure that there will be a lot less Coca-Cola based products in, uh, in coolers going to the drag strip. You know, I love Coca-Cola products, but you know, it does kind of piss me off that they are, basically giving them the big FU and taking their ball and running when they had an agreement through the end of 2023. So um, I think it's going to have an impact on them. I don't know what kind of financial impact drag racing community can have, but it will definitely be negative. It's just a, just a bad look for, for Coca-Cola company in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I, at the same time, I've, feel relatively certain that we're getting one side of the story, right? And who knows exactly uh, what has transpired and what's come to this, but just on the periphery, yeah, like it's, it's hard to take Coca-Cola's side on this, understand that uh, the business climate has changed considerably, but on the flip side of that, like it's kind of a crummy time to pull out, right? So I, yeah. from Dre's standpoint, um, this is tough because I don't know, and again, we won't pretend to know the, the details and what's all that's gone into play here, but just knowing what we know, if your title right sponsor comes to you and says, look, we, we can't do the extra three years that we committed to, we're out. Um, we talk about having your hands tied as NHRA. I mean, what do you do? Because you mentioned the potential financial in impact on the Coca-Cola company. I think it's obvious that the immediate financial hit is significantly greater for an HRA if you're not getting that annual paycheck. Like, I, I don't know what that amount is, but it can't be 
it can't be small, right? Multiple figures, right? So if you're NHRA on one hand, man, you're out a bunch of money and you feel like you've been done wrong. But on the flip side, like fighting this in court against a huge corporation like the Coca-Cola company, like if you're going to, even if you're on the right side of it, there's going to be so much time, so much money and lawyer fees invested, and it probably doesn't get resolved for years. Like it's just, a, it's a tough road to hoe. And to the greater point that I've seen a lot of people make, like, let's face it, suing your sponsors, particularly your title rights sponsors, not a great look going forward, right? I mean, who's going to sign up and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Well, oh, they sued their last sponsor, but yeah, that was, that's not going to happen to us, right? It would make you look, take a hard look at it. So it's a tough call from the brass at, at, at NHRA. And I think it just gets compounded in these times where I would just have to assume that selling something like this, a title right sponsorship for a sanctioning body that has probably in all fairness done a better job than most in terms of like, they're actually having events with fans in the stands and creating some revenue and have a, have this uh, lengthened uh, TV contract with Fox. Like that's good news. But it, even with that, it seems like right now would be a difficult atmosphere to sell a package like that to a new partner. Yeah. Extremely difficult. Um, that's, you know, you would assume even if it gets done, Luke, it will be at a at a price point well below what the NHRA is accustomed to. I'm sure those dollars are earmarked for certain things well prior to receiving them. And some of that probably come up short this year, whether it's paychecks or advertising or whatever. Um and not having those dollars. And now they're probably going to have to do whatever they were doing with that money on a lesser, smaller budget. So uh, it's going to be very challenging for them, at least from, from my view. Interesting side note to this. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you saw this this morning, Jed, I feel like I'm more active on the, on the Twitter than yourself. Uh, Marcus Limonis, who is the the host of the profit on uh, CNBC. He's also the, the, the man behind Camping World. He sent out a tweet to NHRA on behalf of Camping World this morning and was like, hey, if you're looking for a partner, we could, we could be that partner. Uh, ask, ask NASCAR about our credentials. And that got everybody excited. They actually had a little bit of a, of a romantic back and forth uh, tweet fest with NHRA and, and Marcus Limonis. And I think it got everybody fired up. And on the, uh, on the surface, it looks like a match made in heaven, right? Camping World and NHRA. I mean, if you just talk about the racers, there's no telling what we spend in terms of, of camping, camping supplies, uh, motorhomes, etc. Right? Like there, there is opportunity there, and it does seem like a natural fit. With that said, I don't, I don't think deals like this are typically met on Twitter. That seems a little bit. Uh, that seems a little bit um, optimistic. And I'll just take this from Marcus Lemonis's stance and Camping World stance. It's brilliant on their end to jump in when they did and say, hey, right here, we want to sponsor your series. Whether or not anything comes of that at all, because to your point, Jed, 
I think it's fair to assume that if something were to get linked up between those two, which I'll admittedly, I, I, my perception is that that would be a long shot, but let's say that it happens. I think it's safe to assume that Camping World is in for pennies on the dollar. That's going to be the initial offer. And mm -hmm. if that falls through, it's not Camping World that looks bad. They volunteered. They're like, yeah, we want to be a part of this. And if they've done any of their homework, any of their research among not only participants within the NHRA, but let's be honest, fans, they know that we don't necessarily trust the brass, the powers that be at NHRA. Like that's not a great relationship. So if this doesn't come to fruition, you know what everyone's going to assume? Ah, greedy NHRA, drop the ball again. <laughs> you know what? I'm, great point. I, my point here is just to say, like, I don't, I wouldn't just put all our eggs in our basket and be like, oh, cool, Camping World to the rescue, we're fine. I don't know that it's going to be quite that easy. No, it's definitely not going to be that easy, but uh, let's hope some kind of agreement happens and and they get, you know, definitely get a title sponsor, uh, somebody that uh, wants to step in and, and help keep the the number one organization in drag racing alive and healthy. Uh, I don't know how much they depend on that loop to, to stay healthy, but I think uh, just seeing some of the things we've seen already this year and then tying it to losing your title sponsor um, tells me there's a, there's a direct correlation to how the racers purses look versus uh, having title sponsorship, a good healthy title sponsor. So Let's definitely hope that uh, somebody steps up. Camping World be as good as any. And um, I don't know why you feel like you're more active on the Twitter than I am. I mean, is it is it because I get on here at the end of every show and beg people to to tweet us, and then when they do, it takes me like four or five days to reply? Is that why you think that, or you just my, my first inclination? Yeah. Well, I don't know how active you are, but I'm telling you. I look at it at least once a week. <laughs> at least. I didn't mean to throw, throw water on the on the NHL, uh, <clears throat> camping world agreement, like whatever. I just uh, I'm saying don't don't uh, don't get the cart in front of the horse there. And and to your point, Jed, it feels like it's just been this series of massive blows against our our parent organization with NHRA. But to your point, I don't know the financials. Like I felt like. I felt like they really went out of their way in that statement from Glenn Cromwell to paint as, as vibrant, as pretty a picture as you could, but it's just hard to imagine that it's going well in those offices right now. You know I mean? There's just, there's been so many hits. So hopefully this one is, uh, is not the death knell and they're able to overcome it. And as I said before, I think there is some positive going as well. Um, probably highlighted by just the fact that we're racing again. And, uh, and that Fox contract. So hopefully that's enough to pull things through and, uh, and get things pointed back in the right direction. I hope so, Luke. And, and I don't know which one of the three of us, you know, needs to take this on. Uh, either Mike, yourself, or, or me can, can do this, but I don't know what it costs to be the title sponsor for NHRA, but I know this podcast is gin and money right now. I mean, it's like it's growing on trees, and, you know, it'd be a good write-off for us if – it can be the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast NHRA Series, uh, NHRA Championship. You know, I'll reach out or you can, whomever. It really doesn't matter to me, but if, we might need to look at writing them a check. Let's start a Venmo account 
I think if every listener <laughs> were to contribute five dollars, we could make an offer for at least two hundred bucks. I mean, I that's a, that's a little optimistic, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fact. <laughs> it's might be. It's one of those things the the lowball bids could get it right now. So. Would we call it the uh, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Listener NHRA Championship? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there you go, folks. Here's your chance. Yeah, absolutely. Tweet us. Venmo us. Yeah, make- tweet me. <laughs> tweet me. <laughs> at, at JP11X. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's switch gears into something we're a little bit more well-versed on, Jed. We've talked about this seemingly for months now on the podcast, but it is basically upon us. Um, as you listen to this, well, the, the Galat fling will be almost over um, by the time that this releases on Friday as we record here on Tuesday night. Uh, it's getting started now, but that is really just an appetizer in this unprecedented five-week stretch that will take us from Galat fling to the Bristol Spring Fling Million to the Memphis Great American Guaranteed Million followed by a weekend quote unquote off and then the OG million in Montgomery. So three races that have million in the title in four weekends. Jed, what event on this upcoming calendar are you the most excited for? Uh, Luke, as a, as a staff member uh, to all of these promoters, um, I will refrain from saying which one I'm most looking forward to. Um, right now, all I could tell you is the next one. And then when it's gone, it'll be the next one. And then when it's gone, it'll be the next one. But definitely looking forward to all of them. Um, again, as a, as a staff member, I get a behind-the-scenes look at these events. And um, I know I can tell you every one of these promoters are working hard. And they're all – even – Britton Galen having, you know, a quote unquote full list of pre-entrance into the guaranteed million, you know, there's still a lot of good things that need to happen. You need to have a good forecast. You need to have good track conditions. You need to um, have everyone that is supposed to be coming show up. So those guys aren't just sitting back relaxed, uh, counting their entries either. All these promoters, definitely have some uh, some anxiety leading up to the race and some things that that are definitely on their mind that they are hoping happens on the good side of things and you know I know all of those promoters are definitely trying to make the best decision they can for the quality of the event and to make sure the racers enjoy their their time with them so um, I won't pick one um, I see you've got one here, and, and I can understand why, but um, I'm, you know, as cliche as it is, I'm looking forward to all of them. You did a really nice job of straddling the fence. And, and Thank you, Luke. I was worried about that. And you just, I mean, you just talked for two minutes without saying anything. It's pretty Yeah, what, a friend of mine calls that gas bagging. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll take the initiative here because I don't, I don't think that I necessarily have ties to, to any of the events directly the spring fling million is obviously near and dear to my heart and i think peter and kyle are the gold standard of race promotion i think the bristol facility i don't even think it's debatable of the three of the 
of the whole schedule. Like it's the premier facility. Um, but that's not the one I'm most excited about. The, the OG million is the OG million. I've talked about it for years and how the energy and the atmosphere on Saturday in Montgomery, the only parallel that I can draw to it in my racing experience is Monday at Indy. Like it's just awesome. Now granted I wasn't at the SFG 1.1 million. I would assume that that was similar if not off the charts. Right. But the event that I'm most fired up for, and it have been really since they announced it 15 months ago, is the one in between the two, the Great American Guaranteed Million at Memphis. Um, I just, I love the format. I, I've said for a long time, and this is the extreme, right, that I'm, I don't mind paying a little extra money to, have, to not have to deal with quite so many cars. 450 entries cap, that's still a bunch of cars. But there's a big difference between 450 and 700, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for a guaranteed million, like I just, I'm fired up about it. It's three and a half hours from my front door at a track that I love. Like I, I love going down to Memphis. Britt and Galen are going to, they've been planning this forever. Like I just feel like every T is going to be crossed. Every I is going to be dotted. This has been circled on my calendar since July, 2019. I'm fired up about it. And uh, I cannot wait for the great American million. They're all going to be awesome. And I look forward to covering all of them, perhaps competing in more than one. But if I had to pick one that I'm just fired up the most for, it's Memphis. Yeah, and I can understand that, Luke. And I, I've never raced for a million bucks. Um, so that's going to be pretty <laughs> pretty exciting. It's going to be exciting to hear uh, my 14-year-old son calling laps for people that are racing for a million bucks. It's going to be fun for me to get to call some laps for people that's racing for a million bucks. So that atmosphere will be like no other left on the schedule. Uh, and I am super excited about it. I really am. But um, I, I can't let myself get more excited about one than the other. But uh, by the time Memphis gets here and I'm actually there racing for a cool meal, I imagine that one uh, that one's going to feel a little different than any I've ever been a part of. I am gonna do wheelies and try to win a million bucks. Sounds like a heck of a heck of a Friday. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, let's let's transfer over to the the Bristol Million, the Spring Fling Million, just for a moment, because I feel like the the talk just in the last week, and and perhaps this has been elevated to some extent by the the cancellation or the postponement of the SFG 500 is it feels like, Jed, the Spring Fling Million has a shot to reach 475 entries and actually pay the full million. Yeah, it does, Luke. Um, <laughs> obviously, um, really close to the promoters there. They're extremely optimistic about it. But I, I guess maybe one of the signs for me that this thing could be huge is – as late as late last week, I saw that there was uh, Kyle was still advertising. We still have 10 entries left to Galat. And that's a big deal. I mean, Galat is a huge purse and, and big time racing. But it just makes me believe that people are like, man, I've got a chance to go race Spring Fling Million at Bristol, which, you know, obviously we know the deal there. That one was never even planned to be there. But now I can go race it in Bristol. 
uh, at a world-class facility um, and obviously world-class promoters. So it just makes me feel like people are are saying, you know what, I'm going to save everything I got and throw it all at the, at the spring fling million and see what happens. So I'm anticipating this one being big. Do you get 475 cars? You know, I, I don't feel that way, but it's just because I can't let myself believe that with all the racing on the schedule, uh, everything that's still out there, that, that that many people will pony up what it takes to race for that purse. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked, Luke. I would not be shocked at all if it got there. I wouldn't either. We'll get to our, our predictions, so to speak, um, a little bit later in the show, and we, and we can each pick a number here for Bristol. Just as a recap, if there's 475 entries in the main event, it will pay $1 million to win. And this is the, the structure. It's been tweaked a little bit over the years, but essentially it's the structure that George Howard laid out with the first million. And honestly... I don't think from George to Pete and Kyle and everyone in between that's put on an event like this, I don't think anyone ever really put this together with the thought that it could pay a full million. And when you, when you crunch the numbers, I, I'm not sure that profit for the race promoters, if there's 476 cars, right. Um, and, and it, because the whole purse is, I don't know, like 1.2 million. And you just think 475 times two grand, that's not a million. You got buybacks. Like the, 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 it's obvious that if there's 474 cars, the promoters do way better than if there's 476, right? So at least that's the idea or thought, but uh, we know they got to 474. But. <laughs> and to that point, like I've heard people say, well, if they get close, they'll just pay the million. I have not talked to Pete and Kyle about this. If I was them, no, uh, um, don't sign me up for that. If there's 472, guess what? It's paying 750 grand. Because at this point, it's, it's $250,000. And to some extent, like, yes, it would be awesome to pay the full million, but it's been done. And it's going to be done again next week. Like, I don't know that there's a benefit to being the nice guy promoter there and upping the purse. Like, I wouldn't count on that. If it was my decision, I wouldn't do that. But back to how many cars they're going to get the way the purse drops off there's, there's over 475 it pays a million over 450 pays 750 grand over 425 pays 600 grand to the winner over 395 pays 500,000 to the winner and on down it's guaranteed $250,000 to win we did a little bit of very um um what's the word that i'm looking for haphazard reconnaissance we did we we did a little bit of research today and when i say research I sent out a text message, Ed, you were on the thread to maybe a dozen big name bracket racers that I feel like are probably going to be at all of these events, if not most of them, and asked how many cars are going to be in the million on Friday at Bristol. And the answers that we got really didn't clarify anything because the range was from 260 entrants to 560 entrants. I could have told you it was going to be somewhere in between there. Right? <laughs> I did think it was interesting the the median and the average was right around like the 410 420 mark so almost across the board with very little exception everyone that that should kind of be in the know thinks this is going to be big like 
the biggest car count outside of the SFG 1.1, which is a different animal because you can double enter same car, less entry fee. It's, it's built to have more entries, right? Um, in comparison to previous spring fling millions, previous OG millions, so to speak, um, that would be the biggest crowd by 100 cars, I think. Um, and that's sort of the expectation. But 420-ish cars would pay half a million dollars to win. It'd be a huge purse. But if we could bridge that gap from 420 to 480, and we have a true million-dollar winner's purse the week before a guaranteed million-dollar race, like we would not only have three races in 2020 that paid the winner a million dollars or more, we'd have two in a span of two weeks. And I don't know if it's probable, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, I, you know, I, again, I wasn't as optimistic as some. I felt like I was really optimistic. I mean, I've got it paid between 400 and 450000 to win, which is freaking a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. But uh, there were some people that feel like it's going to blow the the million minimum out of the water or, or there was a person anyway <laughs> right out that way um and that your number is between 350 and 375 that is correct should i give my number now or sure okay well as you know i picked 357 to be in a million um no no reason for that uh i feel like the promoters have a decent idea of what's coming they they typically guess pretty close within reason when they don't have a, a car cap and or a car uh, a, an amount capped a certain amount of cars so they have a pretty good feel for that based on some of the things that they've talked about leading up to this uh, I know that somewhere in the neighborhood of half Luke typically enters the biggest day uh, at deals like this. Ooh, okay. That's, By that count, you would have to have 950 entries in the 30 granders to get 475. Well, yeah, to, to get to the million itself. Now, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. You know, I'm just talking about the events that I've been to in the past, somewhere in the neighborhood of half gets in there. But this one could be more, could be less. I think there's going to be between six and 700 cars total. So I'm probably leaning a little more than half of the total entrants are going to enter the million itself and go with 357. Okay. I like the way you got there. Now, again, it's, it's impossible to compare the two events, but the SFG 1.1, the the surrounding races had what it was it was 800 plus entries right um i don't think it got to that i feel like like right at seven was the number maybe 690 okay so with the policy in place there that you could double enter same car same driver there's probably realistically what 450 maybe 500 cars on the grounds yeah so to think that you would have 700 entries at Bristol when a car can only go to the track once around, that is massive. I mean, that's taking basically the biggest event in bracket racing history and adding another 50% to the field. That's, 
that's astronomical, right, to even get to that mm-hmm. point. And I do think I, – I tend to agree. I know, I know just from the brief conversations we've had, as you mentioned, Pete and Kyle are bullish, right? That, and, and they're normally on the conservative side. Like they think it's going to be packed. Um, and I tend to, to be with you. I think six to 700 is realistic for the 30 granders. I just think given the nature of 2020, that that percentage of those racers that enter the big race goes up pretty significantly uh, for reasons that we've discussed in the past that I'll be honest, I don't completely understand. I just think that this year's million gets 65, maybe 70% of the, the entire pits are, are entered in. Mm-hmm. And I, I will stop short of saying that I think that they'll crest 475 and pay the full million, but I think it will be close. I, the number I will punch in is like 431 or somewhere in that range, which would pay, pay $600,000 to the winner. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that would be huge uh, anywhere but it's just something special about it on the mountain that's uh that's gonna be cool all right so for the record book jed 357 luke 431 and i hope we're both wrong i hope we're both way short it would be awesome to have back-to-back millions i don't know if that's realistic but it would be cool yeah it would be very cool all right jed i reached out to you pre-show and said hey it would be cool if for this stretch it's a, I guess it's a top five of sorts, but it's just our five bold predictions. Five things that we think will happen. Hey, yeah, let's, 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 let's lock it in. Will happen, right? Or yes. possibly happen, whatever. These five things will happen. That you, you're going out on a little bit of a limb. These five things will happen over the course of the next five weeks in this unprecedented run in bracket racing history, do you want to kick this off or do you want my surefire bold prediction first? Uh, I'll kick it off, Luke. Um, And I'll start my top five bold predictions with number seven. Um, Do what? (laughs) This is, you're you're already in form. I love it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I got seven. (laughs) Um, I will go seven and six and then you can go five and we'll count them down from there. But, my number seven is the Spring Fling Million winner will be 23 years of age or younger. Um, well, hell, I'm not even going. Yeah, what, what but the- you can run her up. So that's not a bad day at the races <laughs> when you're racing for that kind of money. But uh, that's a bold prediction. That- hold on, hold on. 23 or younger. So tell just, just for reference, we can eliminate some of the old guys. Like Johnny Zell is over 23, right? Yeah. He's out. Peeps, over 23, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's old getting married. Old guys are out. Okay. So, all right. It's 23. Right, those guys can run her up. Yeah, sure. So okay. We're just talking about the person that wins it. Do you, I mean, is there somebody that comes to mind specifically? Um, no, not really. Okay. I won't make that kind of prediction, but it's 23 or younger. That's a bold prediction. And that's number seven? That's number seven. Yeah. That's not really that bold. There's talented 23 and unders. Uh, Number six, on my top five. Excuse me? I mean, percentage of the field. That's like 5% of the field. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, uh, if you break break them down, demographics, uh, certain groups, I think a lot of them represent 5% of the field until you get to to 100. Okay. Anyway, 
Uh, number six on my top five list is the has-beens go five to three over the young guns. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's number seven and six on my top five bowl predictions, Luke. G-Dub and I talked about this last week, and I, I realize we both, I think, fall into the, the tweener category. At least that's what we're going to cling to because we didn't get an invite. We're just going to say. No, I'm, I'm has-been, and I'm so far has-been that I wasn't invited. So, <laughs> But we both definitely lean toward the has-beens just because bit closer to that demographic and and i think grew up watching those names just dominate and it would be as talented as the young guns are i think it would be difficult to hold that that pedestal in our mind so to speak that uh, that some of the the quote-unquote has-beens do so i'm with you i'm yeah. thinking either six two or five three has-beens we're on the same page okay i agree all right, so I didn't put mine in any numerical order. Do you want me, me to go with my actual number five now? And yeah, yeah, you go with number five. We'll just count them down. I will say that the West Coast presence will be felt. And maybe that's not that bold a prediction, but at some point, I'll, I'll go this far. There will be a finalist in one of the three main events, one of the three quote-unquote millions, who hails from west of the Rocky Mountains. Um. I think I want to say Aaron Markham is the only racer to have done that to this point. Markham was in the final of a million years ago. Like I think he ran it up to triplet the first year that triplet won it. I think that's right. Um, he's the only quote unquote West coaster. And we use that term really loosely here on the East coast. I'll say West of the Rockies. I just know a lot of racers from that area are making the trip to Bristol and or Memphis and or Montgomery. And there's just a lot of talent out there that we don't necessarily give a lot of credit out here because we don't see them very often. Like guy like Chris Whitfield is the real deal and is as capable of winning that race as anybody. You got him. I assume the kid family's coming. Uh, I think Dustin Wirtz is making the trip. The uh, Nelson Harkama and Justin Cooper's in that trailer. Like there's just a lot of talent from that side of the country coming over. And I don't think that they get, shut out i think there's a west coast finalist yeah i agree on the talent level out there it's, it's definitely way better than a lot of the east coasters give them credit for but luke um they're the west coast is significantly challenged to come out and win if blue hayball doesn't make the trip because um that's what blue does he turns on wind lights so if blue's not making the trip it it hinders their opportunity to to represent their their side of the country in a final but the list you mentioned you know they're good enough to do it too so we'll see <laughs> how that works out there's a blue hayball sighting on the east coast in the next five weeks the odds of what i just predicted do definitely go up exponentially no way blue hayball loses a single round in the hills of tennessee if he shows up this out that's that's bold prediction but does, uh, that's not really not on my list it does seem fitting that blue hayball would win a million in bristol tennessee doesn't it it does it does so look my number five bold prediction is really bold based on uh current events or, or recent results but and he can use this for fuel motivation be mad at me because you know whatever I think we're buds, but this could change it. Hunter Patton will not win any of the million-dollar main events. You went there. I did, and and that's not, you know, certainly not a knock on Hunter's talent level. We all know how talented Hunter is, but 
I just I feel like there's going to be some winners not named Hunter Patton. So that's bold prediction number five. You know, that actually crossed my mind. It didn't make my list. I just think it's such a difficult road to hoe to begin with. And I feel like to some extent, like Hunter's got the burden of expectation. Like as ridiculous as his season has been, I do think that there are enough haters out there that be like, yeah, but you didn't win one of the millions. You ran all of them. Oh, yeah. And I just think that that weighs on you. Like that race is, any of those events are hard enough to win. But it's crazy to think that anyone could be expected to win that event. I feel like this this year, like Connor's expected to win one of those. And I think that that makes it even more of a burden, harder to do. Like, it, it, and I know you're thinking the same thing. Would it shock me if Hunter Patton won two of the three at this no. time? No, it wouldn't. But just the odds are so far against him. I, I, I was tempted to say the same thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of on board with you there, believe it or not. And I'll be in or around every single million-dollar main event winter circle during that stretch. And it won't bother me at all for Hunter to throw some shut-up juice on a hot mic if, if he gets it done. Okay? won't bother me at all. I'll be tickled to death for him. Love it. Love it. I feel like, I, and I, I think there is something to the ability to get to that level and live at that level where Hunter is. Like, you just constantly have to feed yourself motivation. I feel like he does that. Like, I feel like he picks up on things that are almost not really even meant to be slights and uses them as ammunition. I think you almost have to when you get to that point. Like, that's like the, the Michael Jordan type thing. You know, like, oh, you mm-hmm. said like, that, that's what they said at all, but you know, get it twisted around and use it for motivation to yourself. I think he does that a lot. So if we can, uh, if we can feed that appetite at all, then good on us. Good for him. Um, I'll go. This is, this is one that I had on my list. I will, um, I'll actually take Hunter's final round opponent at last year's, um, fall fling 500 one, Matt Dattis. I will say that Dattis, I'm not going to go too far out on a limb here. I say Dattis wins something big over the course of the next four weekends, uh, perhaps one of the millions, at least like one of the 40 granders, something like he will grace a winner circle. And I guess that's not really that bold a prediction given Matt's resume and talent level. I just feel like we all know the story at this point. Like uh, I, I don't really even know what happened, but I know he got run into at Piedmont and uh, was down in the dumps. The, the, the star fire was out of commission. And then I just saw his post where it in like six days it was turned around it's good as new he's going to glot he'll be at this whole swing and i just feel like this is one of those stories that has a storybook ending maybe sooner maybe later but that car gets parked in a big winter circle over the next month yeah no surprise if that happens but it is still a bold prediction i'm trying to pick a, a, a certain individual that's going to to come out on top of one of those big days and definitely uh hate, hated to see what happened to matt um I think the the gentleman he was racing broke a control arm. It was not what it looked like. He a, a, got accused of bombing the brakes and this and that, but um, definitely didn't look like that on video as the brake lights come on uh, late in that accident. Uh, I think he just broke something. But nonetheless, Matt did get it turned around and, and is going to be um, getting his share of wind lights at those events. So good prediction there. My number four is that no racer, Luke, regardless of their name or list of accomplishments, will win more than one day during this amazing stretch of races. Regardless of what the day pays, no racer 
will get two final round win lights in that stretch of races. That's not really that bold, but you know. No, I think that is bold. I'll go against that. I'll, uh, yeah, I, this is, I guess, a, a slight difference, but my bold prediction is that some racer, I have no idea who it will be, but there will be a racer, not only in this stretch of, what is it, uh, shoot, 12 plus events, 14 events, something like that. You're saying that no one will win two of those. I will, 14 individual days of racing. I will say that just in the three main events, the three millions, I won't say that someone wins two of them, although it wouldn't shock me. I will say that someone makes the semis or better at two of the three main events. One person is down to four cars in two of the millions coming up. Um, I just feel like there's so much that plays into our sport in terms of momentum and getting over that hump and particularly on that stage and just feeling like you can do it at that level. And maybe that's ridiculous to say because the margins are so thin and to get there, you almost have to win a couple, maybe three, four coin flips along the way. Like things just have to fall into place that day. But I think there's a, I've always said winning begets winning. And there's that feeling of just invincibility when you accomplish that once and to back it back up a week later or three weeks later in a similar position and just kind of, you know what it feels like to feel invincible on that stage. And I just think that's a huge, huge advantage. So my prediction is that, again, someone will make it to the semifinals or better at two of the three events, um, kind of riding that hot streak. And two, particularly, let's say that you kick this off and you run her up or you win at Bristol. The pressure is off if you go into the next two. Like, it is a complete free roll. Maybe you just pack up and go home. Like, I probably would. Like, it's not going to get any better, right? But if <laughs> you, you'd probably stop in Memphis on the way. Yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> but you roll on to Memphis, or you roll into Montgomery, and everyone there or 98% of the competitors there are thinking how on earth am I going to win back that whatever 3,000, 6,000, $10,000 tab that I have waiting at the gate. You just won like 300 grand last weekend. You're not worried about that. And I think there's a great freedom to that, that when you combine it with that momentum, it just, it would not shock me if somebody went on a tear of tears and was, deep in the two millions and or added another big victory somewhere along the way. I couldn't agree more, which is why I thought my prediction was a bold prediction. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're absolutely right. That definitely could happen. I would not be shocked. So Luke, do we want to, so my number three is also on your list. We, we want to kind of share these or, or did you have another spot for yours or you want me to just skip mine altogether and, no, no, go ahead and roll with that. That's, that sounds like a good spot for it. Okay, so number three on my list is the OG Million winner will win their second OG Million. Now, now yours is written a little bit differently, and I think I've, I'm wishing I had have written mine like yours, but I still say it will be the second million-dollar race win at the OG Million for whomever gets that final win line. We're 
same page here, except I'm just not going to exclude Gary Williams, Kenny Underwood, and Dave Triplett, who will be vying for their third million dollar race win. I'm just saying that the winner of the OG million will be a name that has won it before. Yeah, it'll be a four million dollar winner. There'll be a repeat winner, and um, I, I know Dave Triplett well and love Dave Triplett, so you know it could very well be back to back winners. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely feel like for the same reasons that that you do that we talked about off air. Um, you know the the people that have won that race, especially the the last ten years worth or so, those people are going to be in attendance. Uh, it'll be the last million. There will be um, there'll probably be a, a sense of urgency on some of their part, maybe or for whatever reason. And when those racers are feeling like it's their last opportunity, they generally take advantage of them. So looking uh, looking at definitely standing in the winner's circle there, the the OG million with somebody that's been there before. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I. Hold on, let me let me backtrack once. Your, your call on triplet going back to back. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Who's the racer that has come closest to winning back to back millions? Jeff Rooks. Yes. Alabama. Alabama racer. Alabama. I didn't figure that would get past you. <laughs> yeah, who else? I need to go golfing with Jeff Rooks. I haven't done that in years. All right. Yeah, Rooks back to back winner and then followed that up with a runner up million dollar race shoot i'm not even going to try to speculate years is that like oh six oh seven maybe somewhere in that range mm, probably all right so yeah i'm uh i'm with you my reasoning behind saying that i i think that the winner of the og million will be a repeat winner is i feel like and i'll get to this a little bit in my in my number one bold prediction i feel like of the three events and i don't even think this is debatable the actual million dollar race of the OG million weekend will be the, the smallest in terms of car count between Bristol, Memphis and, and Montgomery. I, I think that's pretty well expected. So the pool's smaller and yet who's not going to miss it are the people that have won it in the past because that just holds a special meaning at that point. So I just like my odds there. I've got 20 out of say, I don't know, 200, 250 entries. I've won it before. Like, and, and really 20 winners, 20 plus winners that will probably account for 30 plus entries. Odds are like over 10%. And obviously they all don't suck. They won the million before. Yeah. I'll take those odds. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right. Your number one bold prediction. Well, see, I've, I've still got my number two. Oh, how's that work? You've got, cause I had seven. You had 20. All right, go ahead. Number two. Um, and this one was a little odd, but uh, I, this one's kind of goofy, but. So we all know these huge car counts at, at some of the bigger races that we've seen, especially in the last two to three years, maybe two to five years when you include what's happened at the OG Million and the surrounding races outside of the Million. But for a race that the car can only go down the track once per round, the Spring Fling Million will set a record. It'll have a record crowd for a race where the car can only go down the track once per round. Now, yeah. there's no statistic for that. I almost, I don't want to call you out on your bold prediction, but I feel like that's a given. What, I'm curious, what event do you think holds that unspoken record right now? Would it be the 
the Fall Fling 500 from last year? Or was there a, a race that sticks out in your mind, single entry that was bigger than that? Um, I don't really have a, a an example, um, but I would say it's probably some kind of Norwalk race or something. Mm, yeah, that's very possible too. That'd be my guess. Maybe even a, an old school um, Byron dragway race or something along those lines. But um, yeah, or well, I guess the the like the heyday of the B and M series wouldn't even completely qualify because two drivers could drive one car, right? Yeah. Interesting thought, though. Well, that was kind of goofy. So I'll just go on. So so you're at you're at one remaining. I think so. Did I go through my list? Yeah, I think I got one left. Yeah, and I'm at one remaining, and I promise you, mine is bolder than yours. So I can go on and put it out there. I don't mind that at all. Okay. All right, hold on, hold on. Um, JJ's going to win a million. <laughs> no, that would be bold. I figured that would be bold and Homer. I thought I would check yeah. both, right? Okay. Well, this is not Homer, but there's, uh, there's definitely um, some boldness to it. And it's simply because, to my knowledge, there's only possibly going to be four or five opportunities for this to happen out of the crowd. But my bold prediction, number one, is the guaranteed million main event, million-dollar check will be won by a female racer. This crossed my mind too. This I actually think this slipped my mind. I was going to have something like this on the list. You think that the we've talked about how kind of a rarity it feels like because there's so many female competitors that are so talented that with the exception, what do we say? Megan Lotz has won a fifty grander, right? Like that's yep. the biggest purse that we can come up with that's ever been won by a female. You're saying that that gets blown completely out of the water, and a lady racer wins the great American great guaranteed million. Yeah. I say, like I said, there's going to be four or five and I've got a little insight into who's entered. Okay. Um, but there, there will be four or five opportunities to my knowledge, maybe, maybe six at the most. And I think that any of the female racers that I've heard on the list are capable of winning. Um, it shows their level of confidence and, um, what they're bringing to the track with them from a standpoint of the investment, the, the whole, what we're racing for and all that, all that wrapped up into, you know, the, the feeling you're going to have when you stage. And, you know, if I'm a man and I am, and I pull up and I'm racing some super ultra confident female in the other lane, I don't know. I just feel like that may put a little pressure on, some men and the females performing well and you start seeing them click off rounds and then it just gets scarier and scarier and before you know it one of those young ladies gonna be holding that million dollar check Luke Jed I hope you are right for for two reasons number one it would make an awesome story to talk about here on the sportsman drag racing podcast number two if your math is correct and there are five, six, seven females entered in the great American guaranteed million. There's like a 15% chance that that comes to this household <laughs> entered in the great American million. And she has got that swagger about her. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I hope you're right on multiple levels. It could happen, bro. It could happen. Well, how cool would it be to have two million dollar winners living under the same roof, sleeping in the same bed, Luke? That'd be pretty cool. But one of them will really have one. <laughs> That's right. Real million. Trump card for life. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's uh, it, it is it's cool to think about, and um, I, I had a I had a snappy comeback, but you got to talking about us sleeping in the same bed, and I, I lost track completely. <laughs> and it's getting late, so I have to let that go. Um, <laughs> so my number one bold prediction, and this this is going to sound a little bit contradictory to what my number two prediction was, was that, um, and we shared was that the winner of the OG million would be a repeat winner of the OG million. Uh, and basically within that, we kind of inferred or said that, and I think it's a given being last on the calendar and just the way that the event is structured, that the OG million probably won't have as many entrants as the other two races that we're talking about in the million dollar race itself. My bold prediction regarding that race is that the surrounding events, which this year will pay $50,000 to win, have a typical crowd to years past, if not bigger. And I feel like um, that's not the general sentiment around sportsman racing. I know that there's been a lot of buzz. We talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. A lot of racers complaining. A lot of racers just like to hear themselves whine. But a lot of racers complaining about that elevated purse and, and elevated entry fee that goes along with it. Okay, here's my reasoning that I think those 50s will be successful, extremely successful. Number one, I think it was a huge coup for the OG million that the SFG 500 has been canceled and or postponed because it's in that same area. So a lot of those local racers that maybe wouldn't have entered the 500 that maybe will not enter the million want, but want to be a part of that event. Well, now they've got the money that they were going to spend at South Georgia that they could go spend at Montgomery. I think that helps tremendously. I also feel like all of these races, this isn't, this started with the OG million, but this goes for really all of these mega purse races. Even those racers that can't necessarily afford to run the big show, like they want to be a part of that event, right? And participate in it and just feel that atmosphere, that excitement. And Bristol, whether it's from a geographic standpoint, whether it's from a time standpoint, whether it's this idea that you're going to have to go up against 700 plus cars, whatever, uh, not to say that that race won't be huge, it will be huge, right? I just think that those racers that may not necessarily be able to support the million still flock to Montgomery because they can't go to Memphis, right? Memphis, the field is capped. You can't run the adjoining races unless you're entered in the big show. And I think that there are, there is a significant market of racers looking for some place to go and wanting to be a part of something bigger that will still flock to Montgomery. And let's be honest, like you can complain about the entry fail you want. I know we talked about this three weeks ago, that event, $50,000 to win, like that is the best flyer for the surrounding races. That's the best race structure that the millions ever had. And I hope that it's supported because I feel like that's, if not long, certainly somewhat overdue. Yeah, I agree, Luke, and uh, and definitely agree for all the same reasons that you mentioned. And you know, um, this this race is going to be a couple of weeks after Memphis, and we all know as racers, even when things don't go well, 
all you need is that one week buffer, that one week break to go. Hell, I figured it out. I know, I, I know why I didn't because I didn't eat that morning, or you know my stomach didn't feel good, or I'd had a headache for a couple of days. That's why I didn't race good in Memphis. I'm going, baby. Pack the motor home. We're going to Montgomery, and we're going to win a million, or we're going to win fifties. All you need is just a little bit of break to start feeling better about your racing program again. So all the talking about how the entry fees changed and all that, if you really break it down, it's a better opportunity for the racers. I mean, you almost double what the winners are getting alone for 35% more investment. Simple math. It's a better deal. It's a racer's race. Yeah. Nobody's saying it's inexpensive, but it's a racer's race. So y'all get off your high horse, show up at the OG Million, because by God, if you're watching it online, you're going to regret every minute of it if you don't show up. So I agree, Luke. I think uh, I think those surrounding races are going to be great. I think the Million's going to be just fine itself, and racket racing is going to end on a very solid note uh, as far as this historic five-week stretch of races am i the only racer that like i can sit out at the beginning of the year and i can make a schedule and i can say okay i don't need to go to all these races i'm not going to this one it's going to pay 500 grand i'm not going to this one and pay a million i'm going to pick and choose and move this one and that one and that's all and well and i, I see i i can say that with a great deal of conviction and then to this point we don't have much experience with this but every time it's like the week before I'm like oh man I got to go to that race, don't I? <laughs> I really want to. <laughs> no, so, it's yeah, all of us. Do that with the SFG 1.1. Like, I'm, I'm not going. I went last year. I didn't have any fun. I didn't do any good. And then the week of, I'm like, you know, I can just take my wife's dragster. It's really good. It's, I, at this point, I wanted to throw a rock through the windshield of my Vegas without, without. Um, I think my wife's dragster, like, it's spread out. It, you're going to race, you know, a round or two a day. It's like an NHRA race. I can dial that thing. I'll go dead on. And I almost packed up and went and uh, I, I, I pulled the plug on it, but I'm the same way with Bristol. I've said all year, like, I can't go back to back. And I'm like, Oh man, it might pay a million. You know, like I got, so I, <laughs> and I'm not the only racer having those uh, feeling that like pull to these events. I, I'm not saying that I'll show up at all of them. I'll definitely be at Memphis, but, uh, but yeah, the urge is definitely there. Now there's actually a small percentage of racers that don't fit that description as opposed to Fair. a small percent that do probably fair big jed this is episode 98 that we are wrapping up um i'm not super good at math but we're getting really close to 200 yeah it's got to be right around the corner somewhere i agree i'm not good at math either but it does sound really close and we need to come up with something big for that that show luke that's uh i mean who who would have ever thought after listening to the to show triple zero that these guys would possibly do 200 of these you know do a triple zero like next week is really 200 it's a oh you know that's a good point that would actually be the 200th show well yeah anyway yeah i never dreamed that we'd make it this far when we did 100 i thought wow that was something and uh, yeah yeah so 200 i i have no idea what we'll do um if if you've listened to the show for long you know that we don't put a ton of forethought into it and that's at least two weeks away, so whatever. But yeah, kind of cool that 200 is on the horizon. Yeah, and if you're if you're a listener 
that has heard every single episode, whether when we get to 200 or right now, just let's just hashtag it on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Um, hashtag loyal listener. I don't care what you put. I want to know how many people out there have heard every single episode. I'm curious to know if anyone has. Yeah. And be honest. That's not a possibility. Okay. No, you won't all remember them by number or any of that stuff. But if you're so loyal that you make it a point that you listen to every single episode and you, even when you skip two or three, you go back and, and binge listen or whatever you do, just hashtag loyal listener on the, on the podcast Facebook page. I got to know. I got to see it. But episode 200 is going to be awesome. I don't know what we're going to do. We probably won't until about 30 minutes before the show. But Well, I think just on the calendar, like it, we have no choice for it to be awesome because it's going to fall in between the Spring Fling Million and the Great American Guaranteed Million. So we're going to have lots to talk about. It's going to be fun. Wow. But yeah, um, as far as something to commemorate episode 200, yeah, we'll probably think about that like 10 minutes before we hit record. But <laughs> It's going to be good. But Luke, whatever it's going to be, um, you know, it's it's going to be it's it's been a heck of a it's been a really a fun ride. I mean, this you know this thing has had its share of grind, and you know it's like oh damn, I, I got to fit the podcast in this week again, and got a lot going on. You working on cars? You got your this is bracket racing thing, obviously, family and everybody, everybody, all of us. You, Mark, myself, everybody's busy, but. Um, it has been a heck of a good time and it's super rewarding every time you go to a facility and you get somebody that you don't know that feels like they know you because of a connection through this show or, you know, whether it's me doing some announcing or whatever, when somebody comes up to you and they feel like they know you because of, of what they've listened to on the, the podcast or whatever, it's really rewarding. It's been cool. It's been a lot of fun and my God, I couldn't imagine 200 more of them, but maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, at this point, never say never. I never thought we'd get to this point. Yeah. That's a really good point. But nonetheless, that's 200. This is 198 and it's coming to an end. Um, we are, uh, we're happy that you listened this long. It's, it's been a really fun show. Five bowl predictions was a good time. Uh, congrats to all those ET finals winners that are headed out to Vegas and good luck to D2 and D7 and, when we uh, when we get back with you, we'll be talking about some big time race results. But uh, we definitely want to thank the folks that help bring the show to you. Our great sponsors are people that uh, we depend on and count on, and, and certainly hope that you do the same. Reach out to them when you need the products and services that they offer. And, uh, we hope you use them uh, very often and, and thank them for their support of the podcast. And, uh, definitely want you to reach out to us. Uh, on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. I almost messed up. I didn't almost. I did mess it up. But um, with that hashtag loyal listener, let us know you've listened to all 198. That would be pretty cool to see if uh, there's anybody out there that's done that. And um, if you like to uh, use the Twitter, uh, Luke and myself are right there on the Twitter. I check it often, uh, as does Luke. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. I skipped right past shouts, Luke. I don't know if you have any shouts. 
Always got shouts. But if you do, I'd love to hear them. Shout to Hunter Patton, who will probably win all three major main event millions just because we said that he wouldn't. Shouts to uh, the folks at Roamers uh, Paint Supply for uh, knocking out that Matt Datus machine and getting him turned right around. It's a cool story. I enjoyed reading that. Shouts to – oh, let's see where I want to go next. Let's shout out Glenn Cromwell and Marcus Limonis. Let's shout out uh, – I'm going to shout out Tommy Mattingly and Tires Out of the Dumpster. I'm going to shout out Derek Adams. Three yes. in the bottom. I'm going to shout out Brian Canoles and Motorcycle Racers Everywhere. And yeah. last, never least, I'm going to shout out my lovely bride, Jessica Bogacki, who you so daringly, essentially, I mean, I'll, I'll put words in your mouth, picked to win yeah. American Guaranteed Million. Indirectly said that she's going she's gonna to get it done. 15% chance of winning based on my prediction. I like her odds. Too. That's a lot better than most odds. Not bad at all. All right, guys. That's uh, that's the end of it. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys on the Facebook page. And we definitely look forward to talking to you again next time about more big time sportsman drag racing here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Hashtag loyal listener. Both of. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Do you consistently lose races at the finish line? Listen, admittedly, finish line performance is the trickiest facet of sportsman drag racing. Just recently, I took a mile in the final of a, a big dollar bracket race. I talked about it here in the podcast. Took a mile to break out, obviously. And so then I immediately followed that up with a string of runs where I gave it back a few thousands because I was bound and determined not to take a mile. If that sounds familiar, you're not alone. The finish line, it's the hardest aspect of our game to master. You can't pick up a practice tree and work out the kinks. You can't just buy the latest, greatest tire or torque converter or carburetor to make it easier. Thankfully, thisisbracketracing.com can help speed up the learning curve. If nothing else, maybe you can learn from my mistakes in an effort to keep from living them yourself, or at least to keep from living them quite so frequently. We've combined 10 of our most useful and impactful lessons into one incredible finish line master course. That's 10 individual lessons, more than 90 minutes of instruction. It's normally a $110 value. It's yours now for the master course price of just 49 bucks. Check it out. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash take nothing. Yeah, see what you did there? It's a finish line course. Take nothing. This is bracketracing.com slash take nothing. 
Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action. Take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. 